0: caution. Listening to this podcast may motivate you to make positive changes in your life, identify ways to accelerate your career trajectory, and develop a path towards financial freedom. This is the Career Meets World podcast, and I'm your host, Edward Gorbis. And I've spent the last 10 years focused on helping thousands of people advance their career while in parallel teaching a secret recipe to reach financial independence. And I'm here to share the untold stories of successful people and teach thousands of listeners how to develop a growth mindset. Our minds are malleable and everyone has the power to change their mindset through perseverance, dedication, and a passion for learning. So if you're ready to skyrocket your business and financial literacy, turn up the volume and let's dive right in. This is the Career Meets World Podcast. As always, welcome back podcast family. It is such a pleasure that you are taking your time out of your life to listen and learn and commit to yourself to becoming a better leader. So with that being said, with us today, we have an incredible human being. His name is Tim Sallow and his life's purpose, his why, is to strengthen the bonds between people sharing through compassionate action. Tim, also known Mr. Future of Work Sallow, is the CEO and co-founder of Guide, the premier B2B learning and talent development SaaS application that helps remote teams and knowledge workers learn anytime, anywhere on demand. He's an author, an investor, an accomplished international keynote speaker, a product leader, tech influencer, and the only Nigerian African American activist and global authority leading and shaping the discussion on the future of work, leadership, and innovation. Through his life's work and Global Platform, he's directly impacting a magnitude of 150 million people. And Tim inspires millions of professionals and business leaders daily to embrace change and thrive in the future of work. He's been recognized by global brands, government institutions, and global media brands ranging from Amazon, Google, Microsoft, LinkedIn, Forbes, the Wall Street Journal and Millennial Mogul for his work as an innovator and global tech leader. And that is why I'm personally so excited that we get to share this conversation with Tim and myself, let's kick it off. What is up my friend Tim, how are you doing today? Dude, super grateful to be alive. Happy day
1: one or for many it's Friday. Which is pretty awesome. Happy Friday.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um so be really are- like
1: Saturday for some people.
0: It's true. So Tim and I are recording on a Friday. Um, doesn't matter what day of the week you're listening to this. Thank you for joining us. Uh it's a privilege to have Tim on the show to share his knowledge, wisdom, his experience, his journey, his thoughtfulness with us. So Tim, are you ready to have some fun today? Dude, I'm so ready, man. Let's do it. Awesome. So look, Tim, I know a lot of people listening might be curious who is this guy? And they really want to understand what you've done, what you're doing. So give us a quick background on like where you where you started your career and how you got to guide today. And we'll talk a little bit more about guide in a moment. Yeah, Matt.
1: Dude, it's so funny, Edward. Um, have been really championing and evangelizing the future of work for quite some time. Uh, So for the listeners uh, who are listening to this, my name is Tim Salau. Uh, A lot of people refer to me as Mr. Future of Work. And that was just a a brand name that I started a few years ago, um, just to to declare how much I love um, my passion for technology, but also what's going on in the future of work and emerging tech and how it's really transforming the workforce. And, you know, prior to even the work that I do now, as the CEO of Guy, which is a bite-sized training uh, video, uh, video training app for enterprise remote teams. You know, was grateful enough to work with companies such as WeWork, Microsoft, Google, did some short things with Facebook and LinkedIn even in the past. And also, you know, was grateful enough to attend school at some of the best universities in the world in Texas Tech University uh, as a psychology major, as well as uh, the University of Texas in Austin, as an information studies major, and you know, for really most of my life, I've always been really passionate about technology, uh, the humanities, also kind of being a, a designer of things and a constructor of things. And you know, my career thus far, you know, I've worked a variety of different roles, from AI product management to being a design ops manager to being a developer evangelist for Facebook's um, developer ecosystem. And you know, I've loved every part of my career journey, uh, but now uh, you know, my team and, and I we're, were really focused on building Guy uh, and focused on our Guy movement, and really helping every organization unleash the creators within their workforce. So I, I spend most of my time like talking about the future of work, talking to really cool people like Edward, who are passionate about career transformation, and and really seeing you know what more can we do. continue building a better future where people have more control over their careers
0: that's awesome tim and what you're building is necessary and an intersection i think of a lot of apps and and technologies that exist on the marketplace already but they haven't been woven into the b2b world so i think guide is going to be a household name going forward and what i'm interested to really unpack is you studied psychology, right? Mm. So so I think a lot of people listening might be wondering, how do you go from a psych major to where you are today? Because it's 2020. And if we look at the majority of millennials or Gen Z listeners, they'll they'll think about, look, like there's so much you could have done between when you graduate and what you're doing today. Mm. So what was the thought process there, right? How did you go from psychology to this constant growth throughout your career to where you are now? You know, we would love to get your
1: thoughts on this, man, because I believe everyone needs to study the humanities a little bit more. Um, and I don't care what humanities it is, maybe philosophy, art, um, poetry, <laughs> if you're into poetry. But, you know, psychology, when I started, when I got my major in psychology, it was really a matter of... Um, It actually came from a personal space. My parents are Nigerian immigrants. So, you know, they had a really different way of acculturating to the United States once we moved here to the United States in 1999. And, you know, they were a lot more conservative in a lot of their values, their belief systems. Um, When I was younger, I didn't really get to hang out with a lot of my friends. Um, It wasn't like go hang out with Nick or Bobby at his parents' house every weekend until like 2 2 a.m. in the morning. It was more so like, make sure you're home by 8 PM and that you're in bed and hopefully you're, you're doing your homework or you're reading a few books. Right. So like my, my upbringing was a little bit different, but also, you know, there was a lot of things about my upbringing that I really loved as well, which was, you know, we, my parents really focused on a lot on community. Um, we were very giving, uh, of giving family. And we were also, we always looked out for people, even if they weren't part of our immediate family um, so much so that my dad started a church um, just so he can inspire people and, in, in, and really be bonded to community. But for me, when I, when I decided to get a psychology degree, it was really like, I wanted to understand more about kind of like the psychology around family development, personal development, growth. And I think for me, it's also dictated a lot about how I see my career, right? Um, one of the most powerful psychological principles is this idea of neuroplasticity. The fact that we're always growing, our brain is always evolving, uh, and that the fact that we can actually design our brains if you, if you really want to get into the, the creepiness of it. And you really design your brain um, by kind of cultivating and crafting different experiences, right? So I had a lot of different experiences in tech, working with a, a lot of amazing companies. And now I'm working and founding my own company. But my, my career is, you know, if someone looks at a high level, they'll be like, dude, this guy is not focused. He's everywhere. But the reality is that every one of the experiences I've had, even up, up until now, has actually informed how I think about product management, business, um, the future of work, building relationships, um, being of service to community. So it's like all of them have shaped me. So a lot of the way I think about even your job or your life, or your career, is like you, have, you kind of have to craft everything, right? If you're not happy, craft it so you can become happier. And I think psychology has influenced my, my thought process in a career in many ways like that.
0: That's one of the most powerful, informative statements anyone could have said, because our minds are malleable and we are able to shift how we think, how we look at things. And what you just mentioned is that you've had multiple experiences throughout your career in different environments, and you've been able to aggregate all of that knowledge and infuse it into guide and what you're doing right now. And that is an important lesson to think through. Because as people are constantly seeing the world shift in front of our eyes at lightning speed, people will constantly ask you, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you investing time in this particular element of the world or life? And we don't always have a good answer for it. But the reality is we have to be in tune with who we are, what we care about, even in a momentary time. So Hmm. you've done that really well and you've kind of aggregated all, all of that. And I agree with you that if you've taken a psych class, any sort of humanity class, whether it be in high school or in college, grad school, there's a lot of value in those classes. And to me, it's probably the most instrumental type of course that I've ever taken in my life. And I've been fortunate to take a few of them. And they've helped me become who I am today, similar to what you said. You and I have very similar upbringings, immigrant families, very different perspective on assimilation into American culture. And it's enabled us to become who we are today through that experience. I'm curious if if we can go a little bit deeper because I love culture Mm -hmm. and I love tapping into different mindsets and how people think. And I'm actually really curious about just your family life in uh, Nigeria and really understanding what it's like for your parents, but then also what it's like for you. And what I mean by that is we all, as immigrants bring in something into America and this positivity and the hope that comes with it. But obviously there's a lot of anchors that hold us down a certain type of thinking. So I'm curious if you can expand on that a little bit more so I can get to know kind of that side of the culture as well, as well as anybody listening.
1: Yeah, dude, no, I love that. This is, a, this is actually a really great deep dive question, man. I love that you, you share it because for me, when we moved to America, like my parents were well off in Nigeria. So my parents were wealthy. I mean, they were going amazing. Um, and when they actually moved to America, they actually took a huge risk. Um, and the biggest upside for them that they saw was the fact that, well, you know, my son and my daughter at the time, you know, they'll have access to a better educational opportunity. You, even right now, if you're reading the news about what's going on in Nigeria, there's people who are being killed who are youth, and it's part of the Nsars SARS movement and you know it kind of even touches on a little bit about the nepotism and the corruption that goes on in nigeria now but even think about it, how it was in the 1990s in the 1999 it was it was worse then but my parents were actually really well off they were probably you know if you looked at them within the class system they were upper class you know they had amazing jobs um they were married uh they had a great family um and also you know they're christian so they were really embraced there so when they actually moved to america it was almost like they displaced themselves and sacrificed to give my, me and my sister a better opportunity just to like in 10, 15, 20 place years, they didn't know how we would turn out, but they were like, well, the upside of this is if we take this risk that will will hopefully produce really, really smart children who will eventually go on to change the world. Right. So that's a huge risk for one, but a lot of the value that they brought to the table. And I think was really interesting that in growing up that I think um, I absorbed a lot, you know, my dad's a pastor. I uh, mean, he, he he's had a, a kind of a very layered career as well. He's been a microbiologist. Um, he had to reskill himself when he moved to America in the 19, in nineteen ninety nine, early two thousands. So going from community college to getting to uh, to working for a company called Quest Diagnostics to an, another company called uh, MD Henderson, like they've been through a lot just in the time that they lived here. So you see a lot of resilience. In, I think, immigrant um, families, but also in, in Nigerian culture. But also, this idea of community, I, I believe, has been a big part of the value system of my family and within the Nigerian culture. And that's really the fact that um, this idea of Ubuntu, right? We're better together. So, when my parents first transitioned to America, dude, like they, they knew a few people. They knew a few people in Houston, that's where we landed. And those people embraced them and say, hey, we'll let you stay in our apartment for a few months as you kind of transition and figure things out. You and your son and your daughter, you're fine. It's cool, right? You know, get on your feet, right? Like we'll, we'll share our bathroom with you, we'll share our living room with you, we'll even share our resources and our network with you. There's like, there's this powerful element of that that I often reflect in my culture and the way I see product, the way I see um, building a brand, building a movement um, building relationships the fact that like you know uh, you you can always think from this abundance mentality right like what's the upside because if you take a risk you it's it, whatever risk you take whether in your career or even as a um, in your in your personal life you always kind of have to think about it from a risk reward ratio right and also from this idea of long-term gratification versus instant gratification so I think often what I've noticed in my culture um Nigerian culture because I've seen it in my family and I've you see it a lot in, in, in Nigerian culture and in some Af- other African cultures as well, is that there's this idea of long-term thinking, there's this idea of really community and collectivist values, but also resilience, right? Like, if you get knocked, knocked down, okay, well, keep building, right? And I think that's just, um, it, some people call it grit. I think, I, to a degree, I like to call it focus and discipline. And I saw it a lot of my dad, you know, even building a church, <laughs> like it takes a lot of discipline. He doesn't have a mega church. He has like a, you know, a very small, uh, intimate communal church, but like, it took a lot of discipline to really build community, build following and really build a lot of believers in what he was doing. And, and I, I think for, for, for me, I've seen so much of, um, of powerful values that I even incorporate in how I think about building a company. Um, and also how to, how to treat humans and, and people as well.
0: What about you, man? <laughs> So let me come on on that real quick. So now I can tell where that authenticity, that genuineness comes into play. And it's really from your family. And I appreciate you sharing that story. It's impactful in many different ways. It shares and sheds a light on the immigrant pathway to the States. And it's not easy for a lot of people. And I honestly can reflect on that as well because I don't remember it personally, but my parents, similar experience, we landed in Chicago and they didn't know many people, but we had some family there. My grandpa at the time uh, was living in Chicago. He had actually immigrated earlier to the States. Uh, But that being said, it just takes a little bit of thoughtfulness into what you invest your time in. And we all need people to support us. We need community to help us. And I think that's where you and I find this commonality and this bond where we recognize the importance of community and the value that it brings to so many people and the value of a network and understanding that you, you invest today, not for tomorrow, not for five days from now or a year from now, it's really for the future. And it's a fundamental shift in thinking because our world today, especially through social media has programmed a lot of people to want instant gratification and reward. and you get a dopamine hit for five seconds, and then what? Mm. That's where the cyclical kind of depressive cycle kicks in for a lot of people. My hope is we can help people understand the value of longer term investment, not just in money and your career, but literally yourself. Invest in yourself and how you think, how you operate. Welcome self-awareness into your life. And I think for both of us, our parents afforded us that mentality. And you hit on a term that really stuck out to me, which is resilience. Mm. And now more than ever, we, we need this resilience from leadership outside of politics, but leadership within communities, leadership within the workplace, uh, within maybe religious establishments like your father. So what's 2020 been like for you from that resilience mindset and if you could share a little bit of advice from your own learnings
1: dude i mean man i mean we could probably both speak to this man 2020 we had to pivot an entire business and got it. <laughs> like an entire like I, I think you know for me 2020 has been a, a transformative year uh, for me as a person as a leader and as as a founder but also just as a as a human um, I think I've been telling people that it's been more of a metamorphosis here, right? Like, I think that, you know, a lot of companies or a lot of people, um, whether or not they were building during the COVID or like building like their next big business or something like that, like, you really had time to either grow um, intrinsically or even grow because of an external um, event such as COVID happened. And it forces you to like really focus on what's next, whether with your family, with your business, with your friends, with your wife, it really forces you to like think from a lens of what's next? Where are we going? And for me, man, you know, 2020 is been special because pre-20 pre-2020, pre-COVID, literally 2020 is the year of COVID, right? We were actually a life skills training app guy, right? Post-COVID, we're a bite-sized video training app for enterprise remote teams. Now, going from a life skills training app in the ed tech market to a B2B enterprise, like, <laughs> app is, is a huge stretch, but we were able to easily make this pivot because we were still small, but fundamentally, we, we never gave up on our vision and our mission for the company, right? Like, we're, like for me and my co-founder, we're super passionate about education. We're super passionate about skills development and training. We kind of changed the what, but our why was still intact. So for me, I realized that, you know, you'll talk to a lot of founders, you'll see a lot of stuff on Twitter that founders and VCs share, you know, joking about kind of like fundraising and building a company, like all the like the the galore about it. But the, the reality is that it's a very tough thing to like pivot a business. And here's why I say that. Before 2020, before COVID, God actually had three founders. It was me. To Bob and our co-founder, Mike. After 2020, we still have three co-founders, but one of them isn't with us operationally. And that's because when we had to pay for the business, you know, our co-founder, Mike, he decided that he couldn't be a part of our, you know, our like, on, on the ground, in the weeds, he couldn't be a part of the journey anymore just because it was taking a toll on him and his family, right, and his psychology, and the fact that he had to really focus on what was in front of him, which was his family and making sure that they were well and making sure that he had a stable job and things were were a lot more stable than him like working on a startup and like literally in the moment when he told me that i can't be a part of the, the company anymore operationally i was upset i was frustrated i wasn't even mad i was even mad at him i was just mad i was like sad i remember i was in my mom's i was in my parents home and i was literally in tears after the call and i also i'd also cried like a few days before because i was just like man this shit is hard like Man, I wish I could just come back with my family, and just stay with them permanently. And you know, after you know, we give it a few days. You know, Mike, and I, Mike and Mike is still friends with you know with me and Taban, and you know, we're still really great friends. Like he's one of our biggest supporters. But I realized like in moments like that, um, they really mold you as a leader. And it's it's actually been one of like the highlights of my 2020 in a good way, not a bad way, because it helped me realize that. You know, when you're on a journey, when you're building a venture, when you're building anything, yes, like, shit's going to hit the fan. But really successful founders, successful human beings, I think, are human beings that are able to realize that, like, look, the upside, meaning in three months, six months, nine months, a year, two years, 10 years, if you even think that long, the upside is actually always better than the moment. So for me, I see kind of resilience always from this risk and reward ratio of like, well, if I keep going, what happens, right? Because every day I have my wealth and I have my health, I'm creating opportunity, right? And if I'm helping other people, like something's gonna come my way that, you know, will allow me to continue building, continue doing. So, you know, I I think I always kind of, I've shared that story and framing a lot as I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and people because my 2020 sucked but also my 2020 was amazing <laughs> as well. So like in that, that bitter sweetness, I think it's life, right? But you have to embrace it. So I think that's where the, the resilience comes in my opinion, man.
0: Hey there listeners. I just wanted to pop in and let you know that as a part of Career Meets World, I am now taking on exclusive one-on-one clients who are hungry leaders or entrepreneurs and want to learn how to succeed under immense pressure. I believe that being an effective business leader is equal parts understanding your subconscious and developing and executing a personalized growth plan. These two aspects continually build upon each other and my coaching practice is designed to amplify your confidence levels and provide you a toolkit to thrive in any situation. Career Meets World is the ultimate achievement partner and we support our clients with an always on approach. So if you're ready to unleash your wildest leadership potential and take control of your success, find Career Meets World or me personally, Edward Gorbis, on LinkedIn and shoot me a short message about your goals with the title, Let's Start. And now it's time to get back to today's episode. I love that. And I'm sure anybody listening has experienced a multitude of different things throughout 2020, whether or not you're at a company right now, whether or not you're a founder or a leader in an organization. What Tim just said is really important to remember is that no matter what happens, no matter how difficult it gets, understanding Mm -hmm. that there's always an upside because you have made the consistent investment throughout your life to, to create a community that will support you, that will uplift you, that will keep pushing you, and supporting your mission no matter what it is. And what I love is like, because you've built that and you had that and with your family and your friends and your other founders that you kept persevering and you adapted. I think that's the most important thing that I've ever taken away from reading uh, Charles Darwin's The Theory of Evolution is that he said, it's not the strongest that survive, it's the most adaptable. Mm. So what I see, what was that Tim?
1: I love that. I love that. And it's so true. And especially when it comes to organizations and business.
0: And we've seen that, right? Like if we think about the most adaptable businesses of 2020, Mm -hmm. they have realized that their model fundamentally has to change whether or not they want it to change. Yes. Certain tech companies have just benefited from timing and the fact that everyone's at home and we rely on the technology Uh, such as Zoom that we're using right now, right place, right time. And that's a huge part of business as well. It's just timing, luck, product fit matters, but there's other components that go into it. So no matter what you're going through, remember that adaptability and resilience is critical for your long-term success, not short-term, short-term it's bumpy, it's turbulent, it feels like an upside down roller coaster, but you'll come out just fine with the right approach and right mindset. And, With that said, Tim, I want to understand. I know that your family helped you a lot through all of this. Yeah. But in today's world, who are some of the key people that, let's call them on your board of directors, your personal board, not your company board, that are there to uplift you and support you and inspire you through these tough moments? Because I think everyone really needs people to cheerlead for them and push them. So who's there for you? yeah you i'm know, I'm actually inspired by a lot of creators like creators like you inspired
1: me um people who are putting quality out into the world and it's very easy to find these people it's like it's it's like if you have a if if you have a brain on the radar, it's like you can tell people who are actually doing good things in the world and with yeah. good intent so people like you inspired me, and you know I think for me i'm I'm a creator, so I'm always looking to to learn from other creators on how they're building their business how they're you know leading their own respective movements you know you know, what's what's driving them, what's their creative process like, you know, so we have, so we have, I think, even within our board, um, a guide of advisors, not a board of executives. You know, I know creators such as Robin Daniels, who's a mutual friend of ours, and he's, he's one of the, probably one of the best marketers in the world, and he just loves what he does, and he brings so much energy and positivity to it. We have Jonathan Reichenthal, who's also another amazing thought leader in the smart city space, and we also have, you know, women in our advisory board, who are, such as Janine Sickmeyer. She is leading an amazing movement around empowering uh, um, founders of color to build their own um, businesses and bring more attention to the fact that minority um, uh, founders deserve funding. And you know, and Diane Finkhausen is also another advisor on our advisory board, who's like just really powerful at kind of leading this revolution about building platform marketplaces. And I think if if I even expanded it beyond my immediate circle, um, you know, I'm always inspired by people like Mr. Obama, Barack Obama, uh, the Michelle Obama's old prison of the world. I think you think of those luminaries, um, you know, I I will say a lot of people in BC don't really inspire me. (laughs) Just because like, I, I often think about venture capital. And I think about like entrepreneurship. It's like, you know, there's, for me, there's nothing sexy about being a founder. I think it's like, it's a really tough thing. It's really hard. Um, you go through a lot of personal sacrifices that we don't really talk a lot about and we don't get vulnerable about. Um, so like, I, I, I'm often more so inspired by people who are creating and they really share a lot of authenticity, right, and what they're doing, right? Um, a, a really very super contextual example is that just recently on Twitter, this, the founder of Circle Up, the founder and CEO of Circle Up re- recently shared his story on literally what it was like building the company um, in the early 2000s to like the craziness he went through as a founder and also being a board member and the investors are on his board. And just like the, 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 the hell that he was juggling from fertility issues with his family to potentially being sick of cancer, like that is literally, that is the real, that's, that's as real as it gets for anyone building a company or even any creator building something that they care about. Right. And for me, I'm always inspired by stories like that. People like that, people who are really sharing and doing good in the world, but they're also authentic about it, man. So uh, some of the people I mentioned are the people that really um, inspired me. And I mean, Barack Obama, definitely, you know, he, he's authentic. He was authentic as they come, man. So I love people like that, bro.
0: I appreciate that. And it's so, interesting to look at like who we connect with today because a lot of people glamorize the venture capital space the reality is they're necessary to fuel a lot of the creators that being said there's so much opportunity today to create on your own through a lot of different mediums obviously social media is a great platform um agnostic to which ones but we all know what they are and I know that creating is difficult and you opened up a door that we're going to step into right now because you brought up the fact that creation, being a founder, is not easy. And a lot of people, again, glamorize it as this thing that I want to put that I'm an entrepreneur or a CEO on my LinkedIn. Great. Then what? Are you, <laughs> are you signing up for the job description that comes along with that? So. Let's both talk about that a little bit because I think it's important for anybody listening and curious about entrepreneurship or what it takes to truly start something from nothing. Yeah. So can you shine a light on your experience, your journey, some of the challenging things that's that's happened throughout this period of time that you've been building out, guide? Yeah, man, yeah, man. Where do we start, bro? <laughs> um, I think the biggest one, man, is...
1: First of all, I always tell people, I didn't even sign. I didn't even, I never even wanted to build a company. Like there never was it you know when I was getting my my psychology degree, information studies degree, I never told myself I'd be a CEO of a company one day or founder. Like this is not something I would ever I ever asked for. It's just something more so like those of a responsibility. In fact, how I met my founder, my co-founder, um Tavad, he actually pitched me on what we now see as Guide and I was like, "Well, I mean, I believe in you." And I believe in this idea and I'm passionate about it. Let's just continue building our friendship and seeing what it, what, what becomes of it. Literally. That's literally how we, this came about. And we just had the less necessary skills and competencies to really match each other and complete each other really, really well, to build a really strong business and, and movement around this. It was a fit, but it was never, I never, I didn't meet to bottom. I was like, Hey man, I'm trying to be a CEO and a founder. Right? So for me, the I think the nitty gritty of what being a CEO and founder looks like is that you have to, there will be times where your your company's on the brink of death, and you and you literally have to figure out how to keep going. There are times where you know Taban had quit his job, and he was full in on guide. He wasn't really having any stable income coming coming in. So I would just send him doses of capital as I had, like based on what I had and you know can at least reserve for him, versus myself and making sure we were taking care of the business. I was sending him doses of capital, just making sure he will he will use it for whatever he wanted. Like, he, he could allocate it to building his own business, feed himself. I, don't, I, I didn't care. I was just sending it to him. Literally, thousands, 250, here and there, just to make sure that he was good, literally. And this is, I, I, I never say, hey, make sure you pay me back. It was just like, bro, just take care of yourself. Here's what Tavon did with that capital. He built his own business, which was brilliant because he, he, he built his own business so he can consult on the side, share his expertise, use that to take care of himself, freelance, whatever he did so we can stay afloat as a duo and as a company, right? So early in the early days, it's just you and your co-founder. You guys are the business, right? Like, so if if anything happens to either of you all, if I were to pass away, if he was to pass away, there is no more guy. So the most important thing for us was, like, making sure that we were eating, we were alive, and we had revenue coming in either on his side, my side, collectively so we can continue to sustain the business, right? Right? So like there, you know, if you have a founder that's not if you have a co-founder and you you claim to them to be a co-founder, if you claim to be a CEO and a early stage founder, and you don't have a venture partner doing any of that, or you're you're a, a solo founder, like it's tough, like even tougher. And more importantly, I don't think you should, if your co-founder isn't doing that for you, I don't even think you guys should be building because you guys definitely won't last the marathon, right? Forget the early stages, it's truly a marathon building a company, man. So for me, it's like moments like that when I knew like at points in our journey where I was just sending to bond capital just to make sure he would survive and now seeing where we're at, we're, we're much, we're in a much better stage. Things are much brighter for us. We have a much better company. We have the product out. We have a strong founding team. We have, we have invested interest. It kind of lets me realize, man, like the, the journey from then to now, it's like, it's a matter of resilience, keeping it and really being very gritty and, 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 and really, I think, you know, like not giving up on your co-founder, but also not giving up on yourself. Because the, there's, there are founders that definitely get into relationships with co-founders or even potential investment partnerships that become really corrosive, right? And because they want to be founders, they want to, be, they want to build a venture so bad, they want to build the next Facebook and Google, that they really actually forget that none of those companies were built in two years, three years. They were built in decades. Um, and they were also built based off a lot of, 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 of grit and ingenuity right? It really takes time to do the things that Facebook and Google has done, whether or not we care about how good or bad they are for the world. It takes a lot of time and and focus, but it also takes really smart founders um, who are in it for the right reasons, right? So, you know, I kind of, I always try to contextualize that when I talk about entrepreneurship, the founders, because people think it's fun and it's glamorous. It's not fun. It's not glamorous. It's hard, but it can be highly, highly rewarding if you have the right people involved.
0: You're totally right. The, the people is what helps you create something magical. That being said, I feel like anybody who signs up to be a founder or starts creating something understands that there's a high probability that it might not succeed. And when you go into something, certainly you want to create it, you want to build it, you want to share your gift with the world. But understand that the whole process, the mindset is about learning a hundred percent bro and looking at what can i gain as well as project out into the world and share with people so i appreciate that you're sharing right now what you've learned throughout that whole process because it's a roller coaster and it's an emotional roller coaster as well at times because we don't know what's going to happen the next day or what might come our way but it's magnified when the good comes Yo. uh when people start to see and feel and recognize and they're attracted to it. And that's where all that hard work really culminates and comes together. So I'm excited to see Guide continue to grow. You personally grow with your founders and your team. And I know that a lot of people are gonna connect with what you're doing. So I highly recommend connecting with Tim looking at what he's doing, um, through a lot of different lenses, but as guide evolves, certainly, uh, take notice because it's going to become a household name. So, so much I appreciate the
1: blessing friend.
0: of course, my friend, uh, look, Tim, I love what you share and I love what you put out. And I feel like we're going to have a sequence of conversations <laughs> over the next couple of years on this podcast. Absolutely. That being said, Tim, before we let you off the hook, as we do with all of our guests, we make sure to put them through our hot seat. That is your ticket out of here.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, Matt. Let's put do it. Put on the hot seat. Let's <laughs> do it. So Tim, you are now officially on the hot seat. Literally, uh, I'm going to ask you three specific questions that are personalized for you. So I want to really understand, like, if you could think of one emoji that describes you the best, which one is it?
1: Oh, dude, it's the, it's the meditation emoji <laughs> and the tea emoji. Those are my two favorite emojis, bro.
0: <laughs> Perfect. I love it. You knew exactly what they are. Uh, Tim, you moved here from Nigeria, and obviously you, you share the fact that there's a lot of turmoil there and there's difficult things going on there. What's one like inspiring thing you want people to know about Nigeria? Dude, it's a freaking beautiful, beautiful country, um, one, and it's
1: rich in culture. Um, and you can get lost on many adventures ventures in Nigeria. In fact, I'm going back to Nigeria very, very soon, probably in 2021. Um, but it's such a beautiful country. And it's um, it's it's uh it's not just lion, tigers, and bears. <laughs> some people think it's lions, tigers, and bears in like wilderness it's a, it's actually a really thriving metropolis um and stop reading stop watching the news stop reading the news cuz they don't they don't even they don't even they barely truly contextualize how beautiful of a country Nigeria is so you got to just go visit there um if you if you've never been either to the african continent or specifically Nigeria just go visit and and you'll you see how amazing and and um beautiful it is
0: so it's it's a beautiful country truly beautiful awesome so uh again like you said make sure to do your own research and trust the fact that there's so many beautiful things in nigeria yeah. i'm excited to a VR headsets. they're like vr headsets that take you to like
1: different countries now it's pretty cool and you'll see just how uh, interesting nigeria is it's such a it's a beautiful metro, metropolis metropolis so that's that's my biggest insight on, on nigeria
0: awesome last question for you what are you most looking forward to in 2021
1: Man, dude, Edward, I'm, I'm really looking for everyone to grow, man. It's been a tough year for everyone. Um, I, think, I think 2020 literally was, it's, it, COVID didn't waste this year. It just was like a dull year. It truly was a dull year. And I think our economy is going to just blossom um, in 2021. And, when, I'm, and I, when I think about that, I think people are going to blossom. I think we're going to see more companies like Guy continue to thrive. We're going to see, I think, un- un- unemployment rates um, decrease, not increase. Um, and I think we're going to see, we're going to actually see a lot more travel, I hope, whether it be um, nationally, but also a little bit more happening um, um, globally, internationally. Uh, so I think 2021 is going to be like a growth year for um, for not only for tech, but I think for humanity is, is what I'm hoping on, that
0: Love the positivity. I appreciate that. What is important to remember is 2020 is not a dead year, it is a grind. And we build up that resilience for this year. And as you're thinking about what Tim just shared momentarily and throughout this entire conversation is 2020 and the entire year has been about planting seeds into your future, into investing, into what's happening going forward for you. And when 2021 hits and beyond and calendar years are just calendar years, understand that your hard work today matters even behind closed doors in your house. So how you show up for yourself really matters and take that to heart. And Tim, I always take to heart when we spend time together. So I genuinely appreciate you spending time with us today. I want to make sure that people who are attracted to your vision your creativity can connect with you so what's the best way to reach out oh please follow me on twitter or linkedin super active on linkedin or twitter
1: um if you want to follow our guide app movement um our guide movement i'm sorry please check out guideapp.co and join to be a, a beta uh user uh, we're gradually expanding our beta program we have amazing creators like edward who are creating amazing content on our platform and and, you know, just getting, and, and we're, we're still in baking, we're still in incubation, and we're actively raising our seed round as well. So we're juggling a lot of different hats, but we're moving nonetheless. So if you, if you really want to be a supporter and want to be a part of what we're building and what we continue to build, please check out guideapp.co, sign up for early access, and you know, just be a part of our movement with us.
0: Please follow Tim. He is a genuine human being who has always been there for me personally and for a lot of other people. So he is building something beautiful. If you want to be somebody who said, I'm one of the early people that was a part of guide, join now and <laughs> check him out. So Tim, like I said, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. And as we always say at Career Meets World, go unleash your wildest potential.
1: Thanks so much, man.
0: We'll dude. Hey. Thanks so much for listening to the Career Meets World podcast. I would love to get to meet you. There are a couple of ways we can connect. You know I love my LinkedIn. Simply search for Career Meets World or Edward Gorbis and feel free to connect. Second is via Instagram at Career Meets World. And third is through our website. I have a special spot for you full of fun, free resources. All you have to do is go to careermeetsworld.com subscribe to our newsletter and we'll provide you the free resources to help you boost your career and reach financial freedom and if this podcast was helpful to you in any way please consider rating and reviewing this podcast on apple podcasts this helps us help more people simply tap the rate with five stars and leave a sentence with what you liked about the podcast thanks so much for tuning in remember Strengthening your growth mindset is your ticket to success. I'm Edward Gorbis, and we'll catch you on next week's episode.